Hey, everybody. Good to be together. There's nothing like being all together in one room. And, um, of course, I love that. But um, it just occurred to me that um, that there's something really powerful about us being scattered out and spread out across multiple states in so many different locations. Um, just think about the, the Holy Spirit connecting us all with each other. Um, just Just imagine all the the back and forth transmission going on of the Holy Spirit connecting all of us together. And, and I just imagine everybody in between us is just getting blessed in the process as the Holy Spirit is back and forth and connecting us, binding us together. Glad you're here and uh, looking forward to some time of Bible study together. Hey, can I ask you to take your Bible and turn to 2 Peter 1? 2 Peter 1. If you would go ahead and turn there toward the back of the New Testament, it's between... Uh, James and the, the the letters to from John, Second um, Peter, chapter one. If you go ahead and turn there, and uh, then we'll get to that passage here in a minute. Um, a couple of definitions, just so um, off the top, so you uh, know the definitions I'm operating with. Um, tonight's message is is a, it's a Bible study that's called from from emptiness to capacity. When I speak of emptiness tonight. I'm not talking about nothing being there, but I'm just talking about a lack of meaning and a lack of purpose, uh, that kind of emptiness. And when I talk about capacity, uh, I'm talking about the, the amount um, of God's grace that could and should fill our lives, the amount of grace that God intends to be in us. Um, the, our aim tonight is to understand that, that our, our very emptiness is also our capacity for God's grace if we bring that to him and surrender that to him. So that's where we're headed when we get to 2 Peter 1 in just a minute. Um, two weeks ago, we talked about Moses. We talked about how Moses um, helps us in, in this kind of wilderness exile that we're experiencing uh, because Moses had his own exile. He went from palace privilege to wilderness exile. And while he was in the wilderness, that's where he heard his calling and that's where his life got back on track in terms of his purpose. Um, Moses's exile emptiness became his capacity for a God-filled life. His exile emptiness became his capacity for a God-filled life. And uh, so it can be for us. So I would ask you this question, more on, more on it later, but what about life feels empty to you right now? Um, spoiler alert, uh, Grace, has uh, a promise for that. Uh, God definitely has a promise and grace for that thing about your life that, that feels empty. So from Moses to Peter. Now, Peter is kind of like the New Testament Moses. I mean, like if the disciples were to have like who's who elections, Peter definitely would be the one who would be elected most likely to see a burning bush. Because that's just the kind of dynamic relationship that he had with the Lord. He was there in all those ultimate moments with Jesus. Uh, but he was also the one who um, ended up exiled in his own wilderness because of his denial of Jesus. So kind of like Moses, he had a failure. He had a denial and he had a wilderness. But uh, Peter was restored. Peter was at the epicenter of the coming of the kingdom in the Holy Spirit. And then Peter was the one who led the early church, much like Moses led God's people to the promised land. So from Moses to Peter, 
And tonight we're going to check out some of what Peter has to say in this letter. What Peter has to say about how our emptiness can become our capacity for God to fill. Our very emptiness can become our capacity that God would fill up with his grace. I want to begin in the, in the middle of this passage with verse, with verse 3. We're going to read the rest of it as we study through it. But 2 Peter 1, 3 says, says this. This is one of, the most, one of the most audacious claims in all of the Bible. It says, By His divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. By His divine power, God has given us everything we need for life and for godliness. Um, we're empty on our own but filled to capacity by God's power and grace in Jesus. The, the audacious good news of this verse is that God has already given to us everything that we need to live the life, to, to do what he has called us to do. He's given us faith in, in Christ as the way of salvation, and he's given us the Holy Spirit and everything else that we need to do everything else that is ours to do. By his divine power, God has given us everything that we need to fill up our emptiness so that our emptiness would be the capacity that he created us for. Now, let's spend some time just walking through this passage. Starting with verse 1, we're going to end up in verse, in verse 11. Love the way the passage starts. This letter is from Simon Peter, a slave and apostle of Jesus Christ. Love the way Peter, um, what he calls himself, a slave and an apostle. He, he calls himself two kind of, uh, kind of uh, opposite kind of titles. I mean, usually a slave um, makes a master's life easier. But uh, Jesus' idea of a slave is that he sends his slaves on a mission for others. That's what an apostle is. An apostle is one who is sent. So Peter is saying that he is both a slave and an apostle. What does that say about Jesus? That Jesus' idea of a slave is one that he sends on a mission for the sake of others, not just to make his life easier. So Peter claimed that he was both slave and apostle. He, he, by saying this, I think he's, he's expressing his own emptiness, that he emptied himself out uh, for Jesus. But by claiming the role of an apostle, that he stepped into the capacity, the, the God-given capacity created for him. Peter was both slave and apostle. He, he emptied himself, but he also took on the capacity of the job that was given him to do. Um, so I ask you this question. Are you both, are you both slave and apostle of Jesus? Have you emptied it out, laid it all down for Jesus to become his slave? And have, have you taken up and received from him the, the capacity that he would give to you to be sent to live on mission for the sake of others. Like Peter, let's, uh, let's strive to be both slave and apostle of Jesus Christ. Well, I'll read on. Peter says, I'm writing to you who share the same precious faith we have. This faith was given to you because of the justice and fairness of Jesus Christ, our God and Savior. May God give you more and more grace and peace as you grow in your knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. Well, here, um, here we see that there are two really big ideas that saturate this passage, not just in these verses, but in the verses that follow. Two really big ideas. 
saturate this passage. One is that God gives, and the second one is that we grow. One is that God gives. That's mentioned some six times in this passage that we're going to look at. But then there's also like five times reference to the fact that we grow and that we develop in the faith. And both of these ideas are really summed up in verse 2 where it says, May God give you more and more grace and peace as you grow in your knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. God gives and I receive. Growing is our response to God's giving. This is exactly how my emptiness becomes a capacity for God to fill up. God gives, I receive. My emptiness becomes capacity for God to fill up. And this is what we call growing in grace. Now, back in verse 1, we see what is God's best gift ever. This passage is about how God gives. And uh, and in in verse 1, it says this, This faith was given to you, this faith was given to us because of the justice and fairness of Jesus Christ, our God and Savior. And right there, we see God's best ever gift. Um, It is this faith, the, the, the gospel of trusting what Jesus did for us. And in a few particular words are used to describe the preciousness of this faith. Um, I'm reading New Living Translation, and it uses the words justice and fairness. What you're reading might use the word righteousness. Uh, Righteousness is the word. The New Living uses those two words to kind of explain what righteousness is, because righteousness is this combination of justice and fairness. Uh, Righteousness means that the justice of God is satisfied in Jesus, that what Jesus did in his life and his death satisfied the justice of God. But also there's this element of fairness. Um, Fair to us, not so fair to Jesus. But because the cure would have killed us, because the cure that, that would accomplish the justice of God, because the cure would have killed us, Jesus took it on himself and became our cure. Fair to us, good for us, but not so fair to Jesus. You put these together, the justice and the fairness, and you get this biblical concept of righteousness. God's best gift ever is the fact that in Jesus we find justice and fairness that connects us with God for now and for all eternity. So, um, God gives and we grow. These are two big themes that we see through this passage. Then on to verses 3 and 4. By His divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all this by coming to know Him, the One who called us to Himself by means of His marvelous glory and excellence. And because of His glory and excellence, He has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share His divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. This audacious claim that that God's power has already given us everything that we need for this life and for our godliness. Um, The word life, it's just a broad word that encompasses our total existence, physical and spiritual. And the the audacious claim is that God's divine power and generosity has already given us everything we need for this life. It doesn't mean that there's a cure for every disease, but it means there's grace for every need. 
And it says that God's given us all we need for godliness. Um, godliness is a beautiful word that we often don't understand. Um, it's kind of one of those churchy words that we kind of know what it means, but maybe we really don't. What godliness is, it's, it's a, an inner response that honors God with our outward life. It's, it's like when your heart and your life get lined up together and both honor God. That's what we call godliness. And the audacious claim of this verse is that God has already given us everything that we need to connect our inner with our outer so that our total being, our total life, would bring honor, would bring honor to God. And the, the passage moves on to tell us what um, this, what this life of God-given, grace-filled capacity might look like. Uh, verses 5 through 7. So in view of all this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. Supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence, and moral excellence with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with patient endurance, and patient endurance with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love for everyone. Um, now, a word about that. I, th I think there are at least three, three different ways. Two of them probably not so right, and one of them I think a little more accurate. I think there are three different ways to view this set of attributes that we read right here. I think you can view this as a list, or as a map, or as a flowchart. And, uh, and I'm coming down on the side of flowchart, but let me first tell you why I don't think it's a list or a, or a map. Um, there was a time when, uh, when I really jumped on this and, and, uh, and I thought it looked like a great to-do list. I thought it looked like a list of things that Christian people do. And, uh, and I remember even, so I'm, I'm offering an apology to some of my former youth groups, like back in Picayune when I was first doing youth ministry. And, uh, and in Hattiesburg when I was there doing some youth ministry. This was a passage that I loved to teach on. And, uh, and, I, and I jumped on this set of attributes as a to-do list. As a, this, what, this is what Christian people do. Um, so do these things because you're a Christian. And that's not totally wrong, but there's something more true in this list. And what's more true is that God's divine power has given us everything that we need for life and godliness. And that this list of attributes is not something that we figure out a way to do to be Christian people, but it's, it's God's grace that flows to us because His divine power has already given us everything that we need. Um, so not a list, nor is it a map, although the passage ends over in verse 11 uh, with the hope that, that we will find our grand entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That's a matter of grace. That's not a matter of, of uh, successfully using the map. I think the best way to understand this set of attributes is that it's a flowchart. That when God, by His divine power, has given us everything that we need for life and godliness, then out of His grace flows things like this into the emptiness of our life. Um, so, we confess our, our emptiness, and grace flows in, and grace fills our empty places with capacity that looks like faith and goodness and spiritual understanding and the rest. It's really tempting to jump on this as a, as a do-it-yourself kind of to-do list and uh, make myself look like a Christian. But the better approach is to start with my emptiness and to call it what it is. I've got emptiness in me. And then, and then to convert that emptiness into capacity 
by trusting the Spirit to fill me with the flow of grace from God's audacious promise. And what results from all that is growth, growth in grace. So it, it brings us to a place of just a really simple choice. Am I, am I more interested in choosing my complete emptiness or God's fullness in my capacity? So look at the flow chart. The flow chart of, uh, of attributes in verses 5 through 7. Um, what do you see that you need to fill some empty space in your life? Another way to, um, to ask that question is, what do you need for life and godliness, as it says in verse 3? Or yet another way to say it is, what do you need so, so that you grow to be productive and useful, as it says even in 1.8? What I want to invite you to do is to see in this, in this flowchart of attributes opportunities for God's grace to flow into your emptiness and to fill you with the capacity of His grace by inviting His grace into your empty spaces. So, what's empty? What's lacking in you that could be filled up by, it says, faith? Basic faith. Well, maybe start by looking at your fears and your frustrations. What if your fears and your frustrations could be places where you trust God's grace in a whole new way? Maybe you're dealing with some fears and frustrations that are same old, same old, or maybe you're dealing with fears and frustrations that are new because of our current circumstances. Let your fears and your frustrations be places where you put your faith into action and trust God in, in a whole new way. Or maybe in your emptiness there's a need for moral excellence or, or goodness is another way to say that. Uh, where in your life do you need the, good, need the goodness of Jesus to shine through, to overcome some rut you're in or some habit you're hung up in or some struggle you're bogged down in? Where in your life do you need the goodness of Jesus to fill up some emptiness and to bring to you some meaning? Also on the flow chart is spiritual understanding. Um, is there a lack of... Do you feel a lack of spiritual understanding? Are there things that you feel like you don't understand, things that you feel like you don't know about the Lord that you'd like to know about the Lord? So ask yourself this question. Are you exposing yourself to truth on a regular basis? Are you giving spiritual understanding and truth and wisdom a chance to take root in your life? And here's some required reading. Um, I'd like for everybody to look up Madison Sessions' Instagram post from yesterday. She wrote a beautiful piece and testimony about this very topic of exposing herself to truth on a regular basis in a way that grows in spiritual understanding. There's self-control. Uh, is that a place where you feel some emptiness? Where in your post-spring break routine do you really feel a need to be on your toes in self-control? Because your routine is different, because everything is, is, is totally different now, where do you need a fresh dose of self-control? And remember, this is not a do-it-yourself to-do list. This is, uh, uh, His divine power has already given what we need in all these things. What about patient endurance? That's on the, on the flowchart. Do you, do you feel overwhelmed? Do you feel like giving up, giving in? And reach out with your 
emptiness to receive the capacity of grace. And godliness? Here's the the godliness check question. Does your visible life honor God in the way that your inner heart wants to? Does your visible life honor God in the way that your inner heart wants to? Confess your emptiness and, and receive the full capacity of God's grace in your life. Warm friendliness makes the list, or, or brotherly affection. Um, who needs your friendship? Ask God's grace to give you the capacity to be the friend that you long to have. And then generous, sacrificial love is the, the final uh, attribute on this flowchart. Um, I heard on the news this morning story of um, a plane load of um, volunteer healthcare workers who were traveling to New York City into ground zero of the crisis to go and do their thing and to offer healthcare. Um, what a selfless, sacrificial um, act on their part. I also heard today that 61 doctors have died in Italy in, in their crisis. That adds to the to the um, to the awe of these healthcare work, workers rushing to help at New York City. But that raises a question for for us: um, To whom will you go today? To whom will you go over the course of your life, at great expense to yourself, motivated by love, generous love, sacrificial love? That's our call, and that's the work of grace in our lives. Well, the passage begins to wrap up. Verses 8 through 9, it says, The more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. But those who fail to develop in this way are short-sighted or blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their old sins. So apparently, um, this call to be productive and useful in knowing Jesus seems to suggest that there is a way of knowing about Jesus that's information only and that really is not productive or useful. Um, so offer your emptiness to be filled for the purpose of being productive and useful uh, in the mission of Jesus. To verse 10, So dear brothers and sisters, work hard to prove that you really are among those God has called and chosen do these things and you will never fall away. Then God will give you a grand entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It says there in, in verse, uh, verse 10, to, uh, to prove that you really are among those God has called and chosen. It feels almost like a change of gears, like up till now, it's been saying it's a matter of, of uh, God's promises, God's grace filling my emptiness to capacity and, uh, and what's this? Now it's saying, now now prove it. Um, prove that you're among the called and chosen. Well, how do we do that? Um, well, here's how you prove that you're among God's called and chosen. By offering your emptiness to be filled to capacity with the grace of God through Jesus Christ. You prove that you're among the called and chosen by offering your emptiness to be filled to capacity with the grace of God through Jesus and the proof is the grace that saves us and that recreates us. The proof is not some, something that you do magnificent with your own life. The proof is the grace that saves us and that recreates us. 
So I leave you with this. May the, may the grace of Jesus Christ grow the fruit and be the proof in your life. Hey, let's pray together. God, our Father, as we bow and pray here, we just want to confess uh, that, that we are empty on our own. On my own, I am empty. There is lacking. There is lacking purpose and meaning and joy. But as we confess our emptiness, we also profess the truth that your divine power has already given us everything that we need for this life and for the godliness that you call us to. We confess our emptiness, but we profess your grace. And now we ask for the flow of your grace into our emptiness to fill us to capacity, to fill us to the capacity that you intend and desire for us. Would you make us fruitful? Would you make us um, productive for your kingdom? And may your grace always be the proof. We put our trust in your grace to fill our emptiness. And it is all in the name of Jesus that we trust and pray. Amen.